you've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. So straight from iTunes, Miss Shannon. What you got? Here's a comment that came through just the other day. Honest conversation on every facet as it pertains to sex and marriage. Really nice that it doesn't revolve around foul mouth hosts or a constant barrage of pornographic imagery. Two reputable hosts who don't force their beliefs, but who remain grounded in their belief system. That's a great compliment. I love that. What a compliment. You can tell just how genuine they truly are in wanting to help marriages thrive. I totally love that. Yeah, that's a great comment. And I appreciate that because Mm -hmm. that's exactly what we're aiming to do here at Sexy Marriage Radio. So welcome. If you want to join into the uh, making us feel better by leaving comments in iTunes sec- group, <laughs> then please do. Uh, but the even <laughs> Corey and Shannon's ego club. Even if uh, <laughs> even if you want to not make us feel better and give us some honest feedback, we're open to it, and so you can we do that. We love at, the honest yep, feedback. We can too. do that at iTunes. <laughs> not that that one was dishonest. We can do that uh, via our inbox, which is feedback at sexymarriageradio.com where we get uh, constant uh, feedback and topics and ideas and questions and things that help us be better and help us make this show even better. Because I do have to always say thank you to our listeners because they are the ones that really do help this thing go. And they really do. And point us in directions. I have an apology to make to many of them who have emailed us taken the time to pour out paragraphs and paragraphs of what's really going on in their world. I so wish that we had the time to respond to each and every individual with some really, you know, deep discussion and encouragement and wisdom and direction and all that. There's, there's no way that we can, but please know that we, we read them all and we pray over them. And we certainly take into consideration, is there a show in here that we could do that would help not just this person, but lots of other people too, because you're, you're never alone. Whatever the dynamic is that's going on, somebody else is in the same boat somewhere. Right. And, and on that note of never being alone, um, we've, we've done shows that have kind of, uh, talked about this with the idea of expectations. Um, you know, I've been a proponent of my definition of the word expectation is planned disappointments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I call them hexpectations. Hexpectations. Hex on the relationship. We've even got a show way back in the archives. Um, I'm not sure if this was with you or with Gina. Now that it I'm was talking, with me. okay. I, I, but I, but I think it's like in the 100s and it's something. Called sexpectations. Uh huh. And and how that can cause problems. And um, but I I want to today's show, Shannon. I want to just do a quick uh, pull back and and t- almost a aerial view. Okay. Uh, of the whole concept of what we look for, or no, better phrase, what we want from and in a spouse. Okay. Right? Because if we're talking about this relationship of marriage, are you familiar with uh, the book Committed, A Skeptic Makes Peace with Marriage, written by Elizabeth Gilbert? No, but I love Elizabeth Gilbert's stuff. Okay. Well, she has a quote that I'm just going to read straight. It's just a quick paragraph because this sums it up where I want to go today. Okay. Modern Americans bring to their marriages the most overstuffed bundle of expectations the institution has ever seen. We expect that our partner will not merely be a decent person, but also our soulmate, our best friend, our intellectual companion, our greatest sexual partner, and our life's complete inspiration. 
Nobody in human history has ever asked this much of a companion. It's a lot to ask of one mere mortal, and the inevitable disappointments that follow such giant expectations can cripple marriages. I completely agree. <laughs> Doesn't that nail completely it? Completely agree. It does, and it reminds me of how Esther Perel talked about how long ago marriage was it was strictly a business arrangement. It was, yep. it was two families that came together and shared an estate and raised children together. But all these expectations of, yeah, the soulmate and the, the, you know, the deep intellectual stimulator and the sexual thrill and all that, 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 that really wasn't part and parcel with the business arrangement. Yeah. That they had that, that that was icing on the cake, but that, that was not the expectation. Yeah. And I wonder how that shift occurred. That's a really good not, question. Not sure from arranged I, business arrangement marriage to choice marriage, because that's that's a that's a cultural thing. Because there are still right. parts of the world where that's a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder how so much pressure was placed. Because I think what we're seeing on how how trends in society are showing that we get married later in general, that singleness mm-hmm. is is higher right now, and that. Um, cohabitating is up higher than it's ever been in history in America. I think that's kind of the same. That's that's the result of some of these expectations and how inordinate they are. Right. There's also a Ted talk. I forget the lady's name, but she's on the match.com advisory board. And she acknowledged that the reason that so many of us uh, Christians think that, Oh, this is just horrible. This is just horrible that all these young people are choosing to live together before marriage. But she said, let me help you understand. They're not choosing to live together before marriage because they don't respect marriage. It's that they saw their parents go through such bitter divorces and they want to make sure like they have so much respect for marriage that they feel like they want to make sure that they know what they're getting themselves into. And so it's like, you know what? I never considered that flip side of the coin, but you have to, you have to have a little bit of respect for people who really want it to, who really want to take it that seriously. But yeah, the whole dynamic of having so many expectations on one, one human being, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how, you know, there have been different eras, you know, like the Victorian era and the Industrial Revolution and all that kind of stuff. And I'm trying to think now where in history would we, would that idea have been birthed? And I'm thinking that it's probably with the advent of or the invention of television, of media. Right. Isn't that where the Casablanca type of romances and the just the whole you complete me, Jerry Maguire type of <laughs> expectation? Yeah. <laughs> came from because only in the movies it started, does it work that yeah, way. It started portraying the romanticized view of what relationships start as but can't maintain. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. that, that you know, Hollywood, movies, TV would be a component. I also wonder, um, you living in Michigan, this isn't as big of a priority, but you've got a, you're a Texas girl too. So you understand, I wonder how much the invention invention of air conditioning has put pressure because think about it. The stories we would hear of our parents before AC, you hung out on the front porch because it was so hot inside. Mm -hmm. And so you met neighbors, you hung out. It was a village mindset. So there was more circles to interact with, to relate. They, to... they sat around shelling peas together yeah. or quilting together or, or yeah, it's. And so that's I, gone I see that. because now we got Netflix in ACE in comfortable AC. 
<laughs> so, right. so we right. can just hole up and never see another person if we want to, <laughs> except for our spouse, who then we expect to live life through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the scary thing for me, I mean, just with everything that I've been through this past year, you know, you, you realize that, wow, life as a married couple is a, it's something that you so take for granted. You assume that you're going to have that person forever. You don't anticipate being divorced or widowed mm-hmm. really seriously, mm-hmm. the, you know, the majority of your life. So I'm going to allude to yet another Ted talk. I've been Obviously, I'm binging on TED Talks lately. I love which, it. Yeah, there's worse things I could be binging on. Um, there's one where an architect talks about how our society has gravitated away from those type of communities where, yes, people get together and they have community gardens and community projects and that sort of thing. And she is designing apartment buildings that have shared community space. And that one of the things that you do when you buy a unit in this building is that you commit to looking out for your neighbors and like twice a week. Everybody comes together for a community meal in the community kitchen and they take turns preparing it. And so it's really trying to move it back toward that um, having communitas is what she calls it, of having community. But yeah, when we when we took that communitas out of our daily living, I think that probably is when we started looking at spouses as, okay, well, you need to thrill me and please me and serve me and entertain me and and. The list goes on and yeah. on. Okay, so I, I want to make this practical, and so I want to let's let's come up with, and this is kind of spur of the moment, but let's come up with what are some questions that listeners could ask themselves, or that we're going to ask them point blank. You know, those kind of go hand in hand, probably. Of how am, how do I know if I'm putting too much on my spouse? If I if I need to broaden my circles, because I'm a believer that. We should have multiple systems going to help meet our needs and wants. It's not yes. just one primary. And that's what we're talking about is that right. how we can put too much emphasis on our partner, on our spouse to complete us, to be everything for us rather mm-hmm. than a, a, a variety of things. And I'm going to add the caveat just from the very beginning based on some of the pushback we've got on a couple of shows lately that our sexual energy is for our spouse, period. Yes. That that's, yes. that's where it goes. That's where we direct it. That is where it's sacred and blessed. We don't promote, we don't promote the cuckolding concept right. or the extramarital affair concept or anything like that. We're right. talking about getting your social, emotional, and some to some degree spiritual needs met okay. by other people. So the first thing I'll offer is I would, I would challenge people to look at their calendar and who is involved in that calendar? How many, hmm. how many people are involved in it? Because work is one thing. Work is an outlet if you do work outside the home. Uh, even if you work inside the home, not even as a stay-at-home parent, but as a, someone that just is employed at home. I mean, I've, I do that largely outside of – because I don't have friends with clients because you know, that's, that's a different role. Yeah. But I've got right. a co-host with you and mm-hmm. I've got other people I collaborate with and talk to and email. And so colleagues that are more than just a colleague. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those, I would look at calendar to see where are you spending time? Where are you spending energy and what role does that meet? What, what, what want and need does that meet? Mm-hmm. That's where I would start. Yeah. I think that that's good. I would also start with looking at the various hats that you wear just to get through life. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you've got 
the parenthood hat for those of you who have kids and you've got the financial management hat and you've got the domestic hat and uh, yeah, there's the sexual and the emotional and the friendship and all that jazz. But you know, looking at that list and asking yourself, do I honestly expect my spouse to be my Siamese twin in every single one of these endeavors or to be top notch in every single one of these endeavors? Like, I, I don't know. I just think that every spouse is going to have a shortfall. Every spouse is going to have a chink in their armor. Maybe oh, yeah. they're really good at managing kids and household, but they stink at managing the checkbook. Yeah. Or maybe they're really great at managing money, but they they really don't know the first thing about fixing the plumbing or keeping the hedges <laughs> trimmed or what, right. you know. It, it's like we're all – and when we live with our spouse, we see yep. those chinks in the armor. We see those shortcomings. And it is so easy to let this, the squeaky wheel get the grease and focus on what they don't do well yep instead of looking at the plethora of things that they do okay well and i think that that's probably one of the biggest dissatisfaction fuelers for lack of a better expression is that when we start focusing on our spouse's shortcomings rather than on what they do bring to the table and how they do make our life easier mm -hmm. then we're bound to make ourselves unhappy we Abs work ourselves into that state of unhappiness absolutely because what we focus on grows I mean, yes. I, I think that's so where we put our energy is what's going to grow and, and what's mm -hmm. going to expand. So I like that. Um, the other thing I would ask is, um, and this is something I might be stepping on some toes here, but uh, put on some steel toed boots if you're concerned. Um, <laughs> is, What's uh, about time that you start stepping on toes, uh, not just okay. me, Corey. <laughs> okay. I've taken my share of flack lately. Thank you very much. Um, so answer this question to for me, Shannon, and just what what first pops to your mind? Can your spouse or sh no? Should your spouse be your best friend? See, <laughs> I I don't know if if it's a men and women thing that that they have differing views on this, or if it's just different people. Right. But I think that women have more of an expectation that my husband should be my best friend and my only best friend. Okay. And that I should be his only best friend. Okay. But I don't want, I mean, I think that there can be that clinginess and that codependency that it becomes unsexy when you feel as if you're their only playmate and you feel as if the pressure is on you to keep them entertained right. all the time. Sure. You can start to feel like a babysitter rather than a partner. And so I think that it's good for the spouse to have hobbies and have groups of people that they do other things with and have clubs and and be part of associations and that sort of thing. Not saying be so busy that they don't have time for you, but just have a well-rounded right. life so that you feel the freedom to have your own well-rounded life. Right. Because if you feel as if you have to be tethered to your spouse in order to keep them happy, how is that any different than prison? Right. <laughs> that would, would that be kind of the ball and chain? Exactly. <laughs> and that's, yeah, there's a reason for that. For that expression that marriage is such a ball and chain yeah and so it, this is not to be confused with the importance of friendship in marriage mm -hmm. of of that my spouse is my friend i mean pam and i are friends we enjoy doing a lot of things together right and there might be some semblances of she is a best friend sure but it's just seeing it because my question would be who do you turn to when you have a problem with your best friend? You need another <laughs> friend, right? You need right. another best friend, if you will. You, you need, because I put, 
I put spouse. The title of that is that's what they are. There are a lot of things, but they're not all of them. Right. And so and she shouldn't be expected to be right. Your everything. Because I don't what's believe that, what's that. What's that Barry White song? My first. Oh, hold on. No, rather than let you sing it, let's just play it. <laughs> that's it. My yeah. yeah, that's great. A great concept for a song. It is. Or a television show. It's what we or long movie, for. Right. It's what we poem. long for. Right. But in reality, it sounds like codependency. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably the litmus test of there's a there's a fine line between I'm engaged with them or I'm fused with them or I'm codependent on them. And so oh, there you go, Corey. Talk about the definitions of those two words, engaged versus fused. Well, I, I know that you've been a big proponent yep. of one of the problems in marriage isn't that you're not close enough. It's that you're too close. That's the main problem in marriage is couples are too close and it's too much monotonous, uh, pointless, quote, quote unquote, time spent together that I'm expecting my partner to fill that I don't fill myself. Um, mm-hmm. Enter Netflix enter binge, enter whatever. So now I, I, the best description I've got, uh, this is actually a naked marriage and it's the stick figure drawings in there that are high quality art school, you know, coming, coming out. (laughs) You're Um, so proud of those. Yes. Those are huge. Uh, but it's just the most couples are suffering from an A-frame marriage where they're actually Imagine if you're standing apart about five, six feet apart from each other and you put your elbow, your hands out and you lean in and catch each other. We actually show this at the, at the getaway. getaway. And I, every time I do a retreat, this is shown. Sorry, we're dog sitting. And so we're fused to a dog right now. <laughs> um, but it's, it's one of those that we're leaning on each other. And that's where and then all of a sudden now my importance becomes who I'm leaning against. Mm-hmm. And so if they Your become, stability if they become the too person. important and they leave or I make them mad, I fall. So therefore I start tempering myself way too much. I start holding back way too much. I start withdrawing. I start catering, accommodating all of these things, but it's not from the best in me. It's coming and from it's like- self, self, uh, self-sufficiency in the sense of, right. If I don't, if I don't make them happy, I risk the pushback. Right. That's what I was going to say is that you're so focused on what their mood is and trying to follow. Are they going to draw close to me? If so, I'll draw close to them. Are they pulling back from me? If so, I'm going to pull back from them. And that you're really not as much in tune with your own feelings and wants and needs and desires as you are just trying to watch their shifting landscape and read their horizon. And that's not a very fun way to conduct a relationship. I would think that it's exhausting. Right. Well, but there totally is totally exhausting. There's it's it's interesting because there's still an element of we are going to read each other, right? That's what that comes with with the yeah, territory of to. relationships. It comes with the territory sure. of growing up. As kids, we learned how to read the play the playground, and mm-hmm. the landscape to get what we mm-hmm. want and avoid what we didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the goal I think that marriage is designed for is helping us stand on our own two feet so that it truly is two people standing on their own two feet and choosing one another. There are times where we're going to lean on each other. Yes. And that's okay. So maybe we are fused in some areas, but to me, the goal is to recognize those to start standing up and confronting it. So that's the difference is engaged Mm -hmm. is I can stand on my own two feet. I can have my own voice, 
I can be my own independent person while still in proximity to somebody else. Mm -hmm. A fused or codependent relationship is I don't know where I end and they begin. We are right. fused, we're emotional Siamese twins fused at the hip. Um, we are one brain. And if we're not one brain and on lockstep on things, then there's a problem. And that's the, right. that's right. the source of most issues. We have to feel the same issues. way about things. We right. have to want the same things. Do the yeah, you talk about being solid so frequently, and I love how our our emailers at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com is, or they're so frequently using that word, right. being that basically this is the opposite. What you're describing is the opposite of solid, that you're you're not just reading their landscape and then standing firm in not, what is it that you say, divorcing yourself from the outcome. You're, you're not standing in your own space and just observing it. You're You're trying to match your responses and, and engage with them in a way that would just make them happy rather than just doing what makes you happy. To a degree. That that's an that, art that a lot of married people have still not figured out how to do right, yet. To a degree. And then but, there are some people who have learned it so well that they, they don't really care about their spouse's happiness at all. I think there's a balance that you have sure. to strike in there. But I think there's also a darker side to this that – um, we have a manipulative have side to, to marital us. sadism. Well, probably, but um, <laughs> it no, it's the it's the it's not that um, I'm scared to share what I want. It's that I try to covertly get what I want without having to say what I want, and I do that by trying to please my partner, so that way they'll be willing to give back to me the same manner in which I'm giving to them, and that's the underhanded side of this. That we okay. are covert manipulators in marriage right. rather than, you know what? Hey, I'm going to go do this uh, on Friday night. Do we have something that's a major issue to where we can't? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I'm not necessarily asking for permission, but I'm including you in my decision making so I can make sure I'm taking into account everything. And this is where degrees are important <laughs> because if I go too far with a degree of this, it, mm -hmm. It's like, okay, now you're causing damage and wreaking havoc. But if I go the other extreme, now all of a sudden I'm not engaged in my own life and it's all – that's the fused state. So it's, it's right. seeing the differences because this is where I come back to on who do I turn to if I have a problem with my partner? Mm -hmm. Because there are going to be – I don't know if I've ever asked you this straight out. When, it, when you think of professionally, when you work with couples, what – what, how do you view the, uh, the component of secrets in marriage? Mm -hmm. There was actually an article that popped up. I didn't actually read it, but it was saying something about the, the secrets that you should never share with your spouse. And right. at first glance, it's like, what? There shouldn't be any secrets. But then it's like, mm, no, I, I probably do agree that there are certain things that you don't need to emotionally vomit on your spouse. Right. If it doesn't directly impact them or it doesn't impact you in a way that uh, is is negative on the relationship, that not everything has to be put out there, but, but what are your thoughts? Well, Do you agree? I believe that secrets play a role in marriage. Not that I intentionally try to withhold and keep things, but there are some things that go on in my life that are none of Pam's business. Well, and my <laughs> counselor know? has told me for almost 19 years, everyone is entitled to a private life, yep. including you. Yep. And so, yeah, I think that there is an element of, of wanting privacy and needing privacy and that we all thrive on the idea that there are some things about me that only I yeah. need to know. Yeah. Yeah. And even time alone in the bathroom. I know that some couples <laughs> have 
real, you know, like one of them has a real issue with when I'm in the bathroom and especially if I'm on the toilet, don't come in. And the other person's like, what? I've seen you poop before. What's the big deal? And right. it's like, they, but if they want private alone time, give them private alone time. You don't have to be up in my face or in my space all the time. Right. So I think because it, it comes down to, we, we all suffer from wanting to not submit to somebody else's tyranny. Mm-hmm. Right. That it's like, I love you, but don't tell me everything to do. Right. Don't control me. Right. And so there is some of this that how do I learn? Okay. This is my responsibility. This is me. This is my choice. You can have influence, but ultimately it's mine. And so to me, trying to see how do how am I placing too much burden on my partner and on my marriage comes down to what am I shirking in my own life? That's another question I would mm. ask. What am I avoiding and thinking, well, they'll take care of it. They'll, you know, because what the, the, the easiest example would be, so you're raised in a house where mom took care of all the laundry and she even would put stuff in the hamper. So you continue that mantra of, I just throw my stuff willy-nilly about in the bathroom and because I know eventually <laughs> she'll come along and get it, even though- I knew you were going to say she, because right. you know it's a woman's job to do the laundry. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm being up I, devil's I understand there. that. I mean, my 10-year-old and 12-year-old do their own laundry. Exactly. And, I, I had mine doing it early too. And so it's it's seeing it as, okay, there's probably a part of you, if you're the husband in that example, that's like, you know what? I know I could be doing this, but you know what? I'm not good. You know, so we just kind of keep moving along rather than realizing, okay, maybe I need to be adult about this. I need to get better at this whole aspect of adulting my life. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I think that that's the stuff, that's the sophistication of married life to me. Is it reveals these things, and then what do I do with it? That's what matters. Yeah, and another question, too, isn't just do I need to tell my spouse everything, but also is it okay that my spouse doesn't tell me everything? Because I would think that, again, that takes away some of the magic and the allure and the sexiness if you know everything about them. Yes, you know, it, it's, it's bad enough living together and seeing the bad habits and the dirty laundry on the floor <laughs> and the toothpaste in the sink and the, you know, and the, the, the hair shavings in the, you know, on the bathroom counter. And you know, like, it's, it's already unsexy enough just by how it's structured. I don't think that we need to add to the unsexiness of it by putting everything out there. Absolutely. The and so this is the idea of, at least to me, this whole conversation is really aimed at how do I kind of level set what I'm looking for from my spouse? Mm -hmm. How do I level set what I'm offering as a spouse? Because there can be a component of, so Pam, we're sitting on the couch and um, all of a sudden her phone dings and she gets it and she's smiling while she's texting. And there's an area of like, who are you talking to? Right. Because that's, because there's, yeah. Cause there's a normal (laughs) kind of wait, there's other things that you have in your world that make you smile too. Hold on. That's supposed to just be me. And that's kind of, you know, I'm not your everything. Exactly. Um, I'm not the, you know, I thought I was the thing you orbited around completely. Um, but no, you, you thought you were her glow worm because the sun shines out your butt. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, glow little glow. But it's worm, one of those seeing worm. it as how do I 
catch myself in those moments. And it's not that I can't still ask, and I and I maybe they'll volunteer it too. But it's right. because I understand the components of maybe technology has been the source of tremendous pain and betrayal because mm-hmm. there's been mm-hmm. some things that have crossed the line. There's been some stuff that's like, okay, hold on. But this is all under the whole conversation of this is a refining of ourselves. And so if I'm if I've got my act together in the sense that I'm okay with my life being judged and being out in the open, mm-hmm. and yet they're mm-hmm. still judging me, okay, now we're talking about something different. We're talking about some insecurities. We're talking about some family of origin stuff. We're talking about some other things that have something to do with me, but nothing to do with me. And so this is where I, I always try to think of things. How can I keep things simple? And the, the way I've come up with is the way I keep things simple is I trust my gut and I take care of myself, right? That yeah. I look out for me and not in a selfish way. The hula hoop strategy. Yeah. But I, I see it as... Explain the hula hoop strategy. What's that about? Well, I set that, you up and you missed it. Uh, no, I, I figured we've talked about it before, but if you're new to Sexy okay. Marriage Radio, hey, welcome for joining us. And if you have a hula hoop, <laughs> the idea is put that over, you know, get inside the hula hoop and what you're responsible for is what's inside the hula hoop. That's it. You're not responsible yeah. for anything else. And so it's learning oh. to let go of what's not yours mm-hmm. and just take care of you and take care of what you need to and look out for things that you need to, because that also puts into... The cat uh, under the whole characteristics of this is I'm going to look out for the things I care about too. It's not just me right. self preservation. It's also my kids. It's also my spouse. It's also my family. It's also you know all of those things make us up. And so it's not as simple as, well, this is the one thing that drives me. No, it's a lot of things. And so yeah. I'm going to well, how do I take into account all of those? And we're also teaching our family members how to have a sense of autonomy and independence because like you said, people are staying single a lot longer than ever before. And chances are our kids are going to need to know how to stand on our, on their own two feet and not be codependent and not feel as if they have to have someone in their life. It really breaks my heart when people rush into marriage because they just feel like they can't be alone. They have to have somebody. And really that's pretty indicative of there's something missing in your life. But this conversation brings to mind a quote by Anthony Hopkins that I want to use to wrap Mm -hmm. up the show, if that's okay with you. Go. When I encountered this, I just thought, okay, this just rocks my world. He says, my philosophy is, it's none of my business what people say of me and think of me. I am what I am, and I do what I do. I expect nothing, and I accept everything. And it makes life so much easier. Just not expecting other people's orbits to revolve right. around yours and not expecting that everybody should be doing everything that you need or want them to do to keep you happy because that's not what life is about. Right. It's, a, it's all about interdependence and interconnection, interconnection, intercommunication. Wow, I butchered that one. You got all entering <laughs> on yourself there. I, I'm um. entering all over myself there. <laughs> it's, it's all about communitas. It's there all about. You go playing your role in community but sometimes that means standing on your own two feet and taking care of yourself okay so let's let's wrap it up with this this is a truism we've talked about before that you teach people how to treat you yes and so if you are recognizing some of these things that you know what my calendar is only my spouse and my kids and my inbox is only my spouse and my kids and you know all that stuff and you realize i need to Maybe I need to broaden some things. Well, you do that by, you don't necessarily tell them. 
you just start doing some things that are interesting to you, hobbies, and you can do it in small little chunks at first, just to kind of respond to the gravitational pull yep. in the directions that interest you and intrigue you. Develop yep. a life of your own. Yep. So standing on your own two feet, I think that's what provides a tremendous amount of energy, passion, and eroticism. Because I think it's Esther Pearl that talks about the space between us is where the eroticism yes. is housed. So we yes. want your space between you to be plenty large enough to have a ton of eroticism. Mm-hmm. The flame gets highest when there's plenty of oxygen yeah. there. And this has been Sexy yeah. Marriage Radio. We'll see you next time. We love you for listening.